0: Scripture today comes from the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Let me read that again. Put on, then, As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, did everybody catch that? You're already holy and beloved. But now, as holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing you, one another, in all wisdom. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Here ends the reading of God's Word. It's strange to be in a new year, and I don't know about anybody else, but I tend to be a pretty reflective person. And at the new year, I'm always reflective. New Year's and my birthday, which is my other new year. I'm always thinking. I'm always analyzing. How did I do last year? There's something I want to do differently this year, And to be honest, there's some when I don't feel very new. I feel like the same old Jordan has much changed in the last year. But in other moments, I think I have changed a lot. I can look back and see that I'm really not the person I was just a few years ago. The assumption of our text is that you and I are new creations. We're new. We're not the old person that we used to be. We're new. That God looks at us and he sees us as holy and beloved. We're set apart. We're new. But the text also assumes that we don't always live into our newness. That there's some old things we need to put to death. And there's some new things that we need to put on. That there's a process going on here. And Paul talks about this a number of different ways. I could have talked about this from a number of different Pauline texts. Because Paul's all the time talking about this. You are something special, something new because of Christ. So live it. Put it on. But the question for today is how? How do we change? And to help us think about this, I want to use two images. And they're up here. Um, One is is a balance beam, or you all might know it as a teeter-totter. That's the one on the top. And what, what happens in a teeter-totter is you try to get the things to balance on the fulcrum, on the middle point. Okay, everybody's played on a teeter-totter or taking their grandkids to be on a teeter-totter, right? We all learn scales in school and getting things balanced. But the same exact process that we can use for balancing on a teeter-totter is also what we would call a lever. And that's the guy on the bottom. Everybody see that? It's the same principle. Only instead of trying to balance, he's trying to get more force on the one end so that he can lift something, so that he can be stronger than he would be by himself. Today, I want to talk about three things that you need to balance. But that when you get them balanced in your life, really can become a lever that gives you that ability to start to change. And and I think that they are subtly throughout this text. These are three levers for your best year ever. Lever number 1 is the balance between grace and truth. Grace and truth. Bible says that Jesus comes and when he comes rather than being part of the law, he is full of grace and truth. Grace is God's unmerited favor. That's what grace really means. It's more than forgiveness. It means God is for you. Truth means reality. It means feedback. Okay, When Jesus comes, he gives you both grace, that he loves you and he's for you, and he also brings truth that you need him or else you're going to find suffering. Jesus is both grace and truth. Paul says it this way in the text we just read. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. There's two realities going on here. One is... That you are already God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And that you better put on some things and you better put to death some things. That's grace and truth. And one of the things you've got to do if you're going to grow in your faith and grow in your life. Is you've got to have a balance of those two things. You've got to be able to put on the new self. But also be okay with who you are. People who will get these out of balance don't grow well. Have you ever been around a super grace place? Like a a family or a church or some kind of thing that just says, you're great, you're awesome, you're spectacular, you can do no wrong. That place feels good for a while, but you know what you find? People don't grow in those settings because there's no challenge to do better. Or have you ever been in a setting of super truth? Constant feedback and criticism. You're bad. This is wrong about you, and this is wrong about you, and this is wrong about you. People don't grow in that setting either because they don't feel supported or capable of growing. You're so bad that you can never grow again. I watch this play out every year as people make New Year's resolutions. What they end up doing is a lot of people will be mad about who they are. I hate this about myself. I hate this about myself. But then they just get frustrated. They never really move. Or people that think everything is totally fine. And then they never want to change and they never want to grow. But something special happens when you get grace and truth together. When you can be okay with who you are. And really understand that God loves you as who you are. But also understand that God loves you enough not to leave you there. That you've got to change certain things about yourself. That you've got to grow and continue to change. When you get those things in balance, whether that be as a church, whether that be as your family, or whether that be in your own personal life, whether that be in your workplace, when you get the balance of grace and truth together, then people start to change then things start to change. Not hating myself, but also wanting to get in a little bit better shape. Gives you a certain resilience so that if I have a bad day, I can bounce back. Find that balance of grace and truth. Find that reality that you are holy and beloved, and yet there's probably some areas in your life you got to clean up. Balance number two open and closed hands. The Bible passage that we had from Colossians talks about things we need to put to death and things we need to put on. The problem always becomes deciding which items in our lives go in which category. Have you ever had to move? How many of you have had to move? There's this whole process, right? Do I take that or do I get rid of it? Right? That's why it's sometimes a blessing if you move every so often. Because it forces you to make those decisions. How many of you have been in your house a long time and haven't had to make that decision in a while? And now you've got a couple closets that probably need some of those decisions made, right? We always have to decide as people what we're going to keep and what we're going to get rid of. What is most important that we hang on to? What are those critical things? And what are the things that we can be open about and debate? So everybody hold your hands up like this. You can just put them in your lap if you want. Make one fist tight and the other one open. This is what you've got to do with your life. You've got to decide what I've got to hang on to, what's most important to me, and what I can be open-handed about. What are the friendships that are really valuable and important to me? And what are the friendships that are not helpful for me, are harmful for me, and I need to give them up? What are the things I need to put on in my faith? What are the things I really need to give up? This is the hard part about making decisions. You've you got to be able to get these two things in balance. Now, sometimes it's easy to, to, to get these things out of balance. I know people that are, both, that are like this. Everybody close your hands. These are never people. I'm never going to do anything different. I want everything to be the same all the time. These people never really grow because they're never really open to grow. Never people. You've been around never people, right? Never people want everything to stay exactly the way they are. Now, everybody put your hands open like this. I call these people whatever people. These are people that are up for absolutely whatever, which means they stand for absolutely nothing. These people don't tend to grow either. Because they don't, they don't have anything of value to hold on to. They're just wish-washy, whatever kind of people. In your life, you've got to have both. Paul is really clear. You've got to put on certain things. You've got to put to death certain things. The problem is always deciding what goes in what hand. We're playing with one of these right now when, we, when we're doing experiments in worship, Right? What about worship do we have to hang on to? Is it a certain style? Are there certain songs? Is it the Christ-centeredness? Because I, I can pick plenty of hymns and worship songs that, I, that you know, if you, I wouldn't even pick them. Because for me, Christ-centeredness in worship is really, really important. And style is a little more open-handed. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah. Churches totally fight over worship because it's so close fisted and then I, I know churches that don't do anything in worship because they're so open-handed, they never stand for anything of value. You've got to get these hands right. And this takes a lot of work. A lot of the problems I see in people's lives is because they have things in the wrong hands. They're holding on to things they shouldn't hold on to, and they're letting loose things that really they should be clinging to. If you get these right, though, it gives you a lot of freedom. Freedom. By knowing the boundaries, by knowing what you really stand for, you're free to experiment with the things that are loose. By knowing what your best friendships are, you're willing to try out new friendships or say bye-bye to old, bad friendships. We can be grounded and roaming at the same time. We can be traditional and experimental at the same time. And that kind of balance gives you great power for changing. I think Paul is really on to something when he's talking about holding on to some things and putting some things to death. The last balance is working versus trusting. Working versus trusting. This is, always, this is a really hard one. You've got to do all this work. But you've also got to trust God for the results. From our text, Paul says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. you got to do the work. you got to do the work of trying to change, trying to do certain things. But you've also got to trust God and be thankful for the result. One of my key verses in Corinthians says, the Apostle Paul explaining his work at Corinth says, I planted, Apollos watered, God brought the growth. That is a really tough balance to get. Because when I really work at something, I want to control the results. It's easier if I don't get to control the results to do nothing. But the text really kind of puts both out there. You've got to trust that God sees you as a new creation, that God is changing you. And at the same time, you've got to do the work of putting on and putting to death When it's out of balance, you get some Christians who are waiting Christians. They don't do anything. They just wait for God to do something. They pray, and maybe they'll pray. But in terms of actually doing something about their life and their world, they do nothing. They're just waiting. There are other kinds of Christians, controlling Christians, that they don't trust God at all. They want to do all the work themselves. One of the things that we've had to do as a session here at the church we've been trying to do a lot of things around the church, is find the balance of this. Do the work of a capital campaign and a celebration and uh, all of that. But also trust God with the result. And that is not at all easy to do. But real maturity in in Christian faith means finding that balance. Like, have you ever seen somebody, this is a weird example, but it's what I think of. Have you ever seen somebody walking a really big dog that's not really well-trained? And you have a question in your mind of who is walking who, right? Because the person is really being walked a fair amount by the dog, okay? Good, mature Christianity involves being led by God, not leading God. And if you in your life are having a fight with God, then it's not going to work out real well for you. Be led by God. Submit to God. Still do the work, but submit to God and give Him the results. Let Him take care of what happens. You just be faithful in the steps that are before you. That is not always easy to do. But if you can do it, it can really become a lever for you. Because you can work hard without having to stress. You can be faithful without being anxious about the results. And don't we waste way too much time being anxious about the results. And a lot of times we're anxious about stuff we have no control over. Do what you have to do. And then trust God with the rest of it. There was a pastor who found a kitten. And this kitten, he was trying to make this kitten into an inside cat. But the kitten was raised as an outside cat. So it had this idea. It was going to be an outside cat. And so one day, after a couple of days, the kitten got out. And got pretty high up in this tree. It wasn't that big of a tree. But um, it was high enough. The pastor couldn't reach. But thin enough branches that he didn't feel like he could safely get up into the tree. Climbing or getting a ladder. But, but it was a little bit of a flimsy tree. So he got this idea. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tie a rope to this. And hook it to my car. And I'm going to pull it down gently so that I can reach, reach his cat. So the, the pastor does this. He ties the, the rope on the tree. Starts pulling it back. Pulling it back. And he gets out to look, and he can just not quite reach the, the cat, this little kitten. So he said, all right, I've got to pull the car forward a little bit more. And he goes, pull the car forward a little bit more, and you can guess what happened. <laughs> Doom! The cat goes flying. And so the pastor, oh my goodness, goes walking around the neighborhood trying to find this kitten, tries to find this kitten, and cannot find this kitten. And finally, he, he does the good pastoral thing, and he gives it to God. He says, all right, God, I can't find this kitten. I just got to trust that this kitten ended up where it needed to get. About a week later, he was in the grocery store, and he saw a woman in the grocery store uh, from his church who was notoriously a cat hater. Okay, did not want cats, hated cats, wouldn't go over to houses where they had cats. And in her basket is a, a bag of cat food. And, and so the pastor says, i got to ask him about this, because I wonder. And he goes over and uh, says, you know, I, I thought you weren't a cat person. You hated cats. She said, I know. And my granddaughter has been bugging me and bugging me and bugging me to get a cat. And uh, I said, you know what? If God gives you a cat, then God will give you a cat. But I am never going to give you a cat. And he said, I watched my, she said, I watched my granddaughter go out in the yard, pray really loudly to Jesus. For a kitten. And a kitten came falling from the sky. And I couldn't tell her no. I had to let her keep the kitten. I don't know what 2015 has in store for you and I. There may be something in your life that's going to get launched. And you're going to be sad to see it go. There may be something that drops at your feet. That you're, on, that you're not expecting. But is really a blessing. A blessing. But whatever God has in store for you, I believe that you can trust God with it. I believe that God has your best in, in his mind and in his will. Give yourself grace, but also truth. Do the hard working work of discerning what needs to go and what you need to keep in your life. And trust God that he will bring growth to you and to those around you. Let us pray. God, for whom a year is but a moment, I thank you for this new year. We thank you that we get this gift of life for another season. We get another chance to serve you. The year past has been filled with ups and downs, highs and lows, smiles and frowns. I thank you for being with us. The new year is filled with giant possibilities to be excited about, but also to be scared of. We thank you, Lord, that you already know what is coming. We pray for a sense of newness in this new year. Let it be a fresh start for us. Help us to do the things we have left undone, to reconcile old relationships, and to make great new friendships. I also pray for a sense of oldness in this new year. Help us to connect with an ancient faith, to be guided by your word, and to be a little more old-fashioned in a world that is far too fast-paced. We pray for big things in this new year. Lord, please do the impossible, giant and world-changing things. Shake up social issues, overturn financial crises, and rock lives that seem unrockable. But we also pray for little things in the new year. Do all kinds of ordinary everyday and simple things in our lives. Give us eyes to see your daily grace for us. Help us to know you better and follow you more closely in 2015. May you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, receive all the glory in our lives and in our world. Amen.